On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. Leaving out the avocado in your salad to save money is not good for morale or your fiber intake. Luckily, State Farm knows the value of the little things. It's why they've got options, like insuring your home and ride with surprisingly great rates on both. Because you shouldn't have to give up what you love for great insurance. For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, Friday, October 8th, and it is part two of our season betting preview shows to get you ready for opening night coming up on Tuesday. Uh, If you missed yesterday uh, what we did in our first season premiere show we talked eastern conference yesterday the show is still available always uh, every episode is up on youtube if you missed it and of course we've got every episode also available in podcast form you can download the podcast daily just like last year any podcast platform apple podcast google podcast spotify stitcher iheart radio you name it uh, you can find the podcast on all those great platforms. Uh, today, we turn our attention now to the Western Conference, and we're joined here by Alex B. Smith. Before we get into uh, the Western Conference and everything but with all the teams and breaking it down, season win totals, futures, just overall team analysis, bet on, bet against, will they go over or under in their games, that kind of thing. It's a big day for Alex. He li- loves his Chicago teams, Blackhawks, Bears, uh, and of course, the White Sox who, of course, are playing a big playoff game today, game two of their ALDS against the Houston Astros. And it's a big one for the uh, White Sox because you get the sense if they go down 2 nothing to a team with the pedigree and experience of the Astros, it's going to be a tough uphill battle to win three straight against them. So it is a big one today for his White Sox. And we are recording this show just as game two, the first pitch is about to get thrown here uh, in this one. Alex, how are you feeling? Confidence level when it comes to your White Sox today. Well, I, I think they'll be able to bounce back. I mean, the bats have to wake up. That that's the the bottom line. Obviously, you know, and, and you know, everyone's questioning should Lance Lynn have started get, you know game one, knowing how bad he usually does against Houston. And uh, you know, you got to put it you know aside now. You got Giolito on the bump today, and uh, like I said, hopefully the bats can wake up. Giolito can uh, control the game and, and make this a one one series going back to Chicago on Sunday. Absolutely. So uh, definitely, Alex, if you if you hear him drifting off and uh, it's like, Alex, we asked you a question here. Yeah, you know why that is. Yeah, it's because the White Sox are playing in the background. So uh, that's all right. Alex is good like that. He'll be he'll be all right. Before we get into all the stuff about the Western Conference and talking teams, I did tease on Twitter that I was going to bring up and I want to do it now before I forget, because at the end of the show, we want to end by then and we'll probably forget if I if I wait till the end of the show. I got to bring up this commercial that's driving me nuts for the last year. We've seen it, you know, 
we're all in the same boat as people that watch a lot of sports. We're basically stuck with seeing the same TV commercials over and over and over again. It's endless. It doesn't matter if you're in Canada like me. It doesn't matter if you're in the States like Alex. It doesn't matter. You are going to see the same commercials over and over again, especially if you watch a shit ton of sports, which we all do. And unfortunately, here in Canada, we've been blessed with this Leo Vegas online casino ad for the last a year. Uh, they showed it all last year during the hockey season, and now they've cranked it up again here in the preseason of the of the NHL the last couple of weeks with the regular season starting. And it's basically a commercial with the former Toronto Maple Leaf legend, Matt Sundin. Now, he is one of the best Toronto Maple Leaf players of all time. There's no question about that. So uh, I guess he's got some kind of deal with Leo Vegas, and he's, they're do, he's doing an ad for them. And the first line he utters, he's got the hockey stick in his hand. He's got talking to the mascot of Leo Vegas in a lion uh, outfit. And he basically says the first line of that commercial, and I laugh my ass off every time I hear it. I used to captain one of the great best NHL teams of all time. And when <laughs> that that's the line, Alex, Matt Sundin says, I used to captain one of the best NHL teams of all time. And every time I hear that, I just absolutely lose it. I can't help but I'm like a little kid. I'm like, ha ha. Just to chuckling and laughing and just think it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And I want to clear up why I think that is, because the reason why I think that is such a bad th statement for him to make in that commercial is because my definition of what constitutes as the best or the greatest NHL teams of all time is clearly different from Matt Sundin. I have a feeling, Alex, when either he suggested saying that line on the commercial or the people at Leo Vegas said, all right, Matts, we'll give you the script. Here's what you're going to say. And I think in their minds, they thought that him saying, I used to captain one of the best NHL teams of all time meant I used to captain one of the most storied franchises of all time. One of the longest running franchises in the NHL. Yeah. One of the biggest fan bases and one of the most popular teams in the NHL if not all of sports, you know, just because of just how big the Maple Leaf brand is and how passionate and hardcore and big the fan base is. I think that's probably what he was getting at when he said, I used to captain one of the best NHL teams of all time. But that's not the way I think of it when I think of any, when I think of best and greatest NHL teams of all time, and if I'm going to hear someone say that, you know what I think of? I think of greatness. I think of winning. I think right. of merit. I think of accomplishment. I think of playoff wins. I think of championships. I think of dynasties. That's what I think of when it comes to the best and the greatest NHL teams of all time. And so yeah. I think the wording got fucked up on that commercial. You can't yeah, use that kind of wording in my mind because to me, best and greatest teams of all time. Now, Matt Sundin, look, Matt Sundin was on some great Leafs teams, great Leafs teams, no doubt. In fact, the last time they won a playoff series, Matt Sundin was on the damn team, right. you know, 2004. <laughs> That's how long ago. Great runs. They made the playoffs every year. Him and Curtis Joseph and Ed Belfour were their goalies. And Gary Roberts, Joe Newendike were on the Leafs back then. Sundin, a young Brian McCabe in his prime uh, on the blue line. Great teams. And they won multiple first rounds, which this current Leaf Corps is still trying to figure out how to do. You know, And uh, they won a couple second rounds. They got to the conference finals twice. Unfortunately, they lost both times. They got to the uh, conference finals with Matt Sundin there. So they had great teams, no question. But he just didn't use the right wording there. You can't, I'm sorry, you cannot say 
I used to captain one of the best NHL teams of all time because I equate best to accomplishments and dynasties and teams that had a sustained run of dominance and success and at least contending for championships, if not winning championships. Because the way I define one of the best and greatest teams of all time, Alex, and he says that, if I'm the 70s Canadians, I'm thinking, well, what about us then? If I'm the 80s Islanders with Bossy and Potvin and Al Arbor, the head coach, I'm thinking, what about us then? If I'm the 80s Oilers with Messier and Gretzky and Curry and Anderson and Grant Fuhrer, I'm thinking, what about us then? If Matt Sundin's here flapping his gums about the greatest teams of all time, (laughs) what about the 80s Oilers? What about the 80s Islanders? What about the 90s Detroit Red Wings? Hell, even more recently, Alex, what about your 2010 uh, decade? Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. What are they thinking if they're here in Matt Sundin? If, if they think best and greatest is the same definition I do when he's talking on that ad, what is the what are the Blackhawks thinking? Could you imagine Patrick Kane sits down and decides, I'm going to put the television on, sees that Leo Vegas ad, and here's Matt Sundin talking about, I used to captain one of the best and greatest teams of all time. He's probably <laughs> right. thinking, well, what the fuck about my team then? <laughs> yeah, the exactly. last 10, what, what does that make us? What does that make me and Johnny Taves and everybody? Corey Crawford. Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, and all those Blackhawks teams. If he's talking about his teams being some of the best and greatest of all time, what the hell does that make my Blackhawks teams for the last years? The current Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, that have won back-to-back cups now, going for a third, and consistently a top, what, three or five team in the NHL the last five years plus? I think they'd have a little something to say, you know, if they believed that what Matt Sundin was saying about best and greatest truly did was the definition based on greatness and accomplishment and winning. So that's my rant about that. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's just didn't come off right. Him saying that I used to captain one of the best NHL teams of all time, because to me, best means winning. It means success. It means championships. He probably meant it as one of the most popular franchises, longest running, longest established teams in sports and the NHL, you name it, original six team, you know, he should have said it in that, He should have phrased it that way. Or the Leo Vegas people who fed him that script or fed him that line, if they are the ones that came up with it, they should have phrased it in a different manner. Because to me, there's nothing best and greatest about anything to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs for the last 54 years. A team that hasn't won a Stanley Cup. The last time they won a Stanley Cup, folks, black and white television was still around. That's how bad it is. And you think of the fact that technology, Alex, and look at how far it's come. We have seen technology just go crazy since the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a Stanley Cup. Look at all that's happened. We got color television. We got the 8-track. We got cassette tapes. We got freaking CD players, DVD players, Walkmans. The internet came on board. We got MP3 players. We have cell phones where we can communicate with each other and watch videos. We have high-definition television. We have 4K television now. We've got all these amazing technological advancements for the last 50 years and all the while not not one Stanley Cup championship for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And for that reason, Matt Sundin, you can't say stuff like that. Sorry. You, you can't do it. Can't can't take it. Can't listen to it. I don't want to hear anything about I used to captain one of the best NHL teams of all time. Should have been worded differently. You should have said it differently. The defense rests your honor. <laughs> yeah. No, good, good, good point. Like I said, this, so this commercial, I haven't seen this commercial. And uh, I know someone in the chat was mentioning, you know, look it up. I have to look it up on YouTube as well. But, yeah, it's just like you said, that was just completely, uh, you know, 
it should have been worded a, a, a lot better. Like I said, they, they should have meant you know historic franchise instead of like I said, great teams. But uh, that nonetheless, that's a, that's pretty funny, and it's and it's actually just kind of funny just seeing a lot of these commercials now with former players, and especially these betting commercials have been uh, very strange. I don't know what's with all the betting commercials, at least here, having all these different comedians. Like you got J.B. Smooth and and the uh, Caesars commercial, you got Jamie Foxx for Bet MGM. I wonder, like, what's the context of having all these comedians promoting, uh, you know, different betting uh, commercials? I wonder. It's happening everywhere. I mean, it really is, and we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's becoming, you know, such a it's it's blown up in the mainstream beyond anything I could have ever imagined. You know, you've got freaking Damon Allen, Matt Dunigan, legendary CFL players now, CFL ads. You see Bet Regal promoting that. I mean, you've got, you know, former players. You got Allen Iverson, yes, doing, you know, uh, betting promotions for some sites now as well. So it's it's endless. And it's because, you know, the onslaught's here now. Uh, everybody uh, is wanting to see or everybody wants a piece of the pie. And they're using basically former athletes, you know, to basically promote their book, promote their uh, product. And, and you're seeing that right now across the board. And Matt's, uh, Matt's on the Leo Vegas is more like online casino, like, you know, po- you know, slot games, casino, you know, all the typical online casino site, but uh, same kind of thing though, you know, promoting betting, no doubt. But uh, bottom line is we're going to hear that commercial guys a million more times throughout the season here in Canada. And I've laughed every, like there's not a time I've, Saw, seen that commercial come on television. I haven't laughed when I've heard that line. He's like, I used to captain one of the great best NHL teams of all time. And I'm like, <laughs> and it's just like a, <laughs> it's just like a belly laugh. It's just like, Oh my gosh. Because uh, like I said, I explained what the, my definition of best and greatest is. And yeah, it doesn't equate with what Matt Sundin said there. So that, that, that's why I get the laugh out of that. So uh, beware. We're going to see that a lot this year here in Canada. Uh, all right. Let's turn our attention to some hockey. Let's turn our attention to the Western Conference. We're going to start in the Central uh, Division uh, with our previews uh, here of the Western Conference. And uh, kind of like yesterday, you know, we really don't want to uh, spend too much time on the dregs, you know, on the absolute worst teams uh, in the NHL. Uh, So we're going to make it quick. Now, keep in mind, the team we're going to talk about first here, Arizona Coyotes, Alex, they're in the Central Division now. I mean, most people probably know that because of realignment, Seattle uh, entering the NHL this year, uh, that Arizona was uh, realigned over to the Central Division uh, this year. Uh, But this Arizona team will start there. They're basically Buffalo and Columbus of the West. I mean, the, the roster is just so very, very thin. And you look at the players that were jettisoned out from this Arizona Coyotes team uh, in the offseason. I mean, it is a it's a complete personnel turnover. Connor Garland gone, Michael Bunting gone, Antti Ranta, Darcy Kemper, Christian Dvorak, Alex Goligoski, Nicholas Jalmerson, Jordan Osterley, John Hayden, Oliver Ekman Larson, or Oliver Lawson Tossum, as our good buddy Don Cherry would say. Uh, that is an enormous amount of Previous players and old faces from last year gone. And you look at the roster. I mean, it's just very, very thin. I mean, they're going to have to hope Phil Kessel is a huge year. They're going to have to hope Clayton Keller uh, in a top line role plays consistently. He sometimes has these little spurts of good play, and then he can go in a long drought as well. He's not going to be able to have that luxury this year with how thin this forward group is for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Ryan Dezingle, you know, a guy that's, uh, you know, plays well, plays hard. You know, I kind of like that addition. But you look at this blue line now with uh, Ekman Larson gone. 
Jacob Chikrin, Connor Timmons. I like those guys. They are not number one pair defensemen, though, just yet at this stage of their career. And Shane Gostaspair has been a nightmare defensively for a few years. Very good puck mover, power play guy, can shoot the puck. But now he's he's being asked to play second pair minutes on the blue line for this Arizona team going into the year with Ilya Lyubushkin. Uh, and then you've got Strawman and Soderstrom. Uh, on the third pair, uh, I'm a little surprised Strawman went to Arizona. It's obviously uh, a situation where, you know, he's going to a team that's in complete rebuild. But nevertheless, he's probably the best, the sturdiest uh, defender that they've got. But there's not a whole lot beyond that. And now you look at the goaltending. You know, yeah, a couple years now of Darcy Kemper uh, playing absolutely outstanding in net for them uh, the last couple seasons. It was a big part in the any success Arizona had. You know, making the playoffs two years ago, Darcy Kemper was a big part of that. Of course, he's now in Colorado, and you've got Carter Hutton uh, and a very, very young, inexperienced, new to the NHL kind of uh, backup here in Corral Vimelka uh, here for the uh, Arizona Coyotes. So it ends up being a very, very <laughs> it, they got goaltending that I don't trust because look, Carter Hutton is what he is. He's had a tough few years now. But he was with Buffalo, but. Look, Arizona is going to be much like Buffalo this year and that the roster's not very good. So that's why I don't think Carter Hutton's going to have a big amount of success. He needs a great team and a great blue line in front of him. He doesn't have that here in Arizona. So it's going to be tough times for the Arizona Coyotes this year. And making matters worse, they're in a central division where, on paper, not, not only is every team, Alex, better than them, every team is significantly better than them uh, on paper so tough times for the Arizona Coyotes and I feel bad for Andre Tourigny a great head coach at the junior level but again does it translate to the pro level not only is that question out there but now he's got to inherit what is a complete and utter rebuild going on with Arizona so I just hope he gets to see the light at the end of the tunnel when they finally turn around and get better I hope they give him time because uh, obviously it's not going to be an overnight fix for them Alex what do you think of Arizona yeah they're going to be historically bad uh I, like i said when the point totals came out i jumped all over uh under 69 and then i hit it again under 67 and a half i don't see where this team wins more than 25 games and even looking at the losses i don't see where they have a lot of games where they lose in overtime i think they get blown out in a lot of games uh it just seems to be just really bad and, and the irony of you know saying that their uh, counterparts in the east are columbus and buffalo well, those are the first two games they have on their schedule they play at columbus and at buffalo before coming home for three games. And then they go on a six-game uh, East Coast road trip against Florida, Tampa Bay, Washington, Carolina, Philly, and then back against Anaheim. So we're going to see uh, just what this team is made of right away, and there's probably going to be some spots to fade them right out of the gate. Uh, and then at some point, we won't even be able to fade them on the money line. We'll have to be, you know, same thing I said with Buffalo. we we'll have to play the team total over for their opponent uh, and maybe some first-period overs as well. But uh, I, I just don't see where this team is going to be able to compete uh and keep games close it's gonna it's gonna be ugly uh most nights for the Arizona Coyotes yeah they're really gonna be in challenge to score they're gonna be challenged to defend with this blue line and the goaltending is gonna be suspect like it's just every area of the team is just in trouble I think going into this year uh when it, you look at Arizona Nashville Predators uh next up um this is probably a team that uh I, you know I I bashed uh, on Nashville uh quite a bit uh last year and, and I kind of feel the same way this year. I mean, I'm, they're going to have to show me, you know, a, a improvement before I'm ready to buy into this uh, Nashville uh, Predators team. Uh, you look at the roster on paper. You know, I like Eli Tolvanen. I mean, he's a guy that legitimately gave them a spark. You know, that young Finn 
Uh, now he's going to have another year in the league. He's a off really solid year, 11 goals, 11 assists uh, in 40 games last year. You know, I think there's a guy to target if you're going to bet Nashville, any players from them, like player props, shots on goal, you know, goal score props, anything like that. I think that's a guy you might want to target because he showed you a lot of offensive upside, really good release as well with the puck. Uh, I liked his game last year. But other than that, Alex, you've got Johans, Ryan Johansson, you know, Philip Forsberg. Look, the injuries are mounting for him. That's something you get a little bit worried about as well. He can't seem to stay healthy a little bit the last couple of years. He's had uh, uh, absences out of the lineup. Matt Duchesne, you know, you rely on these same veterans that just consistently have not played well for Nashville the last couple of years. So that bothers me a little bit as well about them offensively. Uh, and then they're really going to be challenged in the third and the fourth line. Like, I don't see offensive punch really coming from the bottom six forwards. Cousins, Glass, Tomasino, uh, Trennan, Sissons, and Olivier is what we're looking at right now in the bottom six. Uh, that's a little difficult to see where the goals are going to come from if they don't uh, end up getting anything from the uh, top six uh, forward group consistently. Uh, the blue line, um, you know, you've got your same old uh, foot soldiers back there leading it. Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm. Uh, Roman Yossi's defensive game, it's worth noting, his defensive game has declined. He's still very good at, at, at moving the puck on the power play, can get that uh, quarterback for you, uh, and basically can be good with the man advantage, skate with the puck, make plays, still a good passer. But boy, his defensive game has dropped off a little bit, especially last year. So keep that in mind. They have Philippe Myers. They have Alexandre Carrier, uh, Ekholm, uh, Mark Borvietsky, and Dante Fabro uh, on the blue line, um, which isn't a uh, great blue line by Nashville standards. And you look at who they lost from last year. You know, Victor Arvidsson will be missed. You know, he's one of the guys that some they could often count on for some offense. And when you look at what they brought in, not a whole lot in terms of free agents that they got, which were big splash, big time impactful uh, free agents. And the goaltending, it's going to really hinge a lot on UC Soros, who is a guy that stole games from time to time and really played well at times and then played not so good at other times. And in fact, had some really rough games as well. They can't afford that this year with this patchwork lineup. So UC Soros is going to have to have a big year uh, for the uh, Nashville Predators in goal. And look, he's going to play a lot more games this year. With Pekka Rene retiring, they bring in David Riddick to back him up, and that's not a backup goalie I trust, not one bit, uh, after what we've seen the last couple of years. Struggled in Calgary. Didn't really play all that well in Toronto. They gave him an opportunity when they traded for him, and he never played well or consistently for them. So now he's in Nashville. Uh, definitely concerns uh, about that goaltending duo, especially if Soros falters at all. Uh, and when you look at everybody else in the division, I just think there's teams in this division that are better than Nashville right now. So Nashville's a team that uh, until I'm proven wrong, they're bet against material for me. Alex, what do you think here, Nashville? Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I think the window has officially closed uh, on, on this team as far as being any kind of a contender. Uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Riddick and Soros tandem works. If they're just going to let Soros just run with it the same way they let Pekka during his prime, just kind of run and play, you know, 50, 60 uh, games, or are they going to try and go with a 1A, 1B system? Uh, I think, you know, Kali Yarncroke going to Seattle, I think they're really going to miss him, especially the penalty kill. Uh, you know, there, there were times where he was, you know, one of the their better defensive forwards. And so now, like I said, there's just, there's just you know, it's going to be a lot of holes uh, on both ends of the ice, honestly. And I just see, you know, 
They're going to be losing a lot of games. They, they'll be able to keep, you know, a foot and they'll play physical. They won't be getting crushed like like Arizona, but they're still going to be uh, finding themselves more in the loss column than, than wins. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, we think of Nashville, the La Violette days, the Barry Trotz days going way back, and defense was their fundamental. That's where they hung their hat. You know, that is where they won games. And to think that Nashville last year, Alex, out of 31 NHL teams was 28th in terms of goals allowed per game. Uh, that just shows you the drop off that we've seen defensively in this team. Uh, the last, you know, five on five defense, terrible for them uh, last year. Uh, and of course, goaltending and any win, any good defensive games they seem to play was because Soros played well above average in net. And they're going to need that again from him uh, here this year. And they're going to be, I think, just as bad, if not worse, defensively. And they might actually be worse offensively, too, because look at that bottom six forward group. I mean, if if you guys have access watching the show or listening to the podcast right now, you have access to looking at depth charts, and you can see on the bottom six forwards who's slotted in those spots right now on the third and the fourth line for Nashville. You look at their past numbers offensively of all those players. Tell me who you trust to score and contribute offensively consistently for you. I don't trust anybody in that bottom six forward group. So it's definitely going to be a chore for this Nashville team going into the year. Probably uh, going to be a, a tough season. And you've said it before, not a big fan of the coach either. Uh, and that continues to be an issue for me with this team as well. So it uh, could be a rough one here for uh, Nashville. We go to the uh, St. Louis Blues now next, which is a, a very interesting team here because the Blues have been that team that, couple of years ago, of course, won the cup. We always think of them as a contender or an upper echelon team. I'm not sure what they are right now. Uh, that ends up being the big question for the Blues. They're sort of like caught in between. Uh, this is a team that definitely uh, made a few changes uh, in the offseason, and now we're going to have to see uh, how it pans out here for this uh, Blues team. But uh, obviously, they say goodbye to uh, some key players. Jaden Schwartz, although he was always injury riddled, but was a good player when he did play. Mike Hoffman, of course, now in Montreal. Sammy Blay, Vince Dunn gone. Uh, you know, they did bring in, what I like, though, is they brought in Buchnevich. That's really going to boost this team offensively. He is a excellent offensive player. Has got, you know, good creativity. He can move the puck. He skates well. He's got a good release as well. Uh, he's got a very good and complete, well-rounded offensive game. Pavel Buchnevich and you know the Rangers could afford to part with him Alex because they've got so much offense to begin with uh, but the Blues getting him I think is a very very good uh, move in the offseason bringing him in because this team could use a little bit more punch got that four-year 23 million dollar deal uh, you look at what he did in just 54 games last year you know 20 goals 28 assists you know uh, and definitely could improve on those numbers now because he's going to get a top six role here uh, with the uh, St. Louis Blues and definitely be accounted on peace. Looks like they're going to line him up with Braden Shen and Costin here uh, on this uh, second line. So he's going to be uh, able to make an impact. Uh, the Blues also add uh, the veteran uh, Brandon Saad uh, in the offseason. Uh, Brandon Saad's still showing you he's capable at times. He's very streaky. You know, he's not obviously what he was, you know, say five, six years ago, but he still showed you at times he could contribute and chip in. Uh, we got O'Reilly, auto parts still there, uh, centering the uh, number one line. Uh, when you look at the third line and the fourth line, see, I think there is capabilities, Alex, for some offense, unlike with Nashville's bottom six. Barbashev, Robert Thomas, I think, watch out for Robert Thomas. He could really be good this year. Third line center. He's kept getting better. He showed you some offense down the stretch. Jordan Cairo on the third line. And we remember Cairo 
had some really good stretches of contributing and scoring goals last year uh, for St. Louis. Uh, and then you've got Boz Bozak, even he's going to play on the fourth line this year. And Perron, David Perron, who is a guy that scored 20 goals in the league before. And they're playing on the fourth line, both of these guys. So I actually think this is an improved offensive team. When I look at the defense, there I'm not so sure. I mean, Pareko's always been has had issues staying healthy and on the ice. Justin Falk didn't have a, the greatest of years last year. Uh, Tory Krug, you know, not exactly a consistent year start to finish last year, his first year with the Blues, getting him from Boston. Uh, so there are some issues there with that blue line a little bit. And not only is the blue line maybe declining a bit, but we've consistently seen Jordan Bennington, his numbers go down since he won the Stanley Cup. It's been a precipitous drop. Goals against, save percentage, all those advanced metrics, goals saved above average. And believe me, I'm going to be using those and incorporating those a lot more into my betting this year. And I started doing that last year as well. They all dropped. They all went down. So if the defense is going to decline a bit, if the goaltending is going to be shaky, and Billy Huso's not NHL caliber yet, nothing I have seen from him uh, with the Blues when he started last year indicated he's ready for the NHL. I think this could be a team at a devalued with devalued totals because we think of the Blues for years as trouble scoring, good defensively, good goaltending. They might be an over team this year. They might be in some more high scoring games. That's more than anything what I'm looking to do with St. Louis. Maybe bet some of their games over the total, and because. You know, if they can score more, they got a chance to win more games. But if they don't, I don't know if the defense and goaltending is as good. It's going to be imperative that their offense takes that improved step that I think it will. And that Puchnevich in particular is the impact offensive difference maker that I think he could be uh, for this Blues team. Alex, what do you think here, St. Louis? Yeah, you know, we saw the shades of them being an over team last year, like I said, with the, the streakiness of, of Bennington. And they had, like I said, a ton of offense, uh, you know, the offense was, like I said, everything's kind of streaky with this Blues team. If you really think about it, like I said, they'll have games where they'll get five or six goals, you know, a couple of nights, and all of a sudden they play, you know, 3-1 and they lose, or 4-2 and they lose. But like I said, the, the defense, if they can't stay healthy, that's really going to be the key of them uh, as far as being able to win games. Like I said, they're going to they're gonna get their goals. They're going to give up goals. But, you know, the, the defensive play is what's going to determine, uh, you know, how, how many games they actually end up winning and how many games they end up losing. But, uh, like I said, I'll be looking to play them first period overs, full game overs for the most part. Uh, like I said, because Luchinavich definitely adds a punch to that offense, uh, a little more stability as well with that offense. Yeah, they were a heavy, heavy under team two years ago, three years ago. Last year, they still cashed more unders than overs, but only 28 unders, 26 overs, you know, in the regular season uh, last year for the St. Louis Blues. So uh, we definitely saw them trend more toward being a 500 team totals wise, almost as many overs as unders. And I think now this year, it actually could swing that pendulum even more. And you could see, I think, this team uh, in uh, a few more high-scoring games to the point where you might see more overs than unders this year uh, with the uh, St. Louis Blues. All right, we move on uh, down the uh, list here, and we've come to the team that Alex loves uh, with all his heart, the Chicago Blackhawks, and the excitement that this franchise certainly uh, pumped into the fan base uh, in the offseason with the moves they've made. Uh, it should be a fascinating season. And what's great about a team like Chicago is that there's all kinds of differing opinions on a team like this, a team that really has had a tough time the last couple of years that was sort of looking like they were trending downward on the verge of a complete rebuild. And then all of a sudden now we've got reason to believe this rebuild has been, they hit the pause button, if you will, 
uh, on this rebuild with the uh, incredible offseason activity, really, we saw uh, from the Chicago Blackhawks. And it's to the point now where even Chicago, or Alex, I should say, has had to ease up on the uh, vitriol on his great buddy there, Stanley Bowman, uh, with the uh, Chicago uh, Blackhawks because of everything that happened uh, in the uh, offseason. Uh Look, definitely there are pieces, no doubt. Uh, it's sad to see, say goodbye to Duncan Keith, uh, obviously. Uh, there's no question. Of course, uh, a lot of their other departures were minor. P.U. Suter, uh, Adam Boquist. But the, the, the big news is obviously what they brought in. They brought in Seth Jones, uh, yeah, a complete and utter difference maker uh, in terms of that blue line. We've been waiting for Chicago to have that bona fide, electrifying defenseman. Can Seth Jones get back to that level is the question because, look, he was injured last year. He had some up-and-down play. But I think, you know, a new scenery, uh, playing with this, you know, storied franchise and being with the players on this team that are there. You know, you're talking playing with Patrick Kane. You're talking about playing with a returning captain, Jonathan Taves. How great is it going to be to see him back uh, this season uh, on the ice for the Chicago Blackhawks? They dearly missed him. What he can do, and it's not just scoring, it's it's leadership, it's in the dressing room, it's winning face-offs, it's being a great two-way forward, which he's always been throughout his career. It's doing all of those little things for you. That's what they missed without Jonathan Taves last year, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, of course, Patrick Kane, uh, Alex Debrinkit, who I think is going to have an outstanding year. I mean, we're already looking at maybe him, Tyler Johnson, Patrick Kane, uh, looking at that as a potential top line, that would be un unbelievable. Uh, Taves, uh, Kubalik, you know, we've seen him, what he can do offensively. Uh, Philip Kurashev, Kirby Doc for a full season, which you hope to have for Chicago. I mean, you've got all three lines there, and you've got Dylan Strom potentially starting the year on a fourth line for this Blackhawks team. And Dylan Strom really, I thought, played well, and maybe his best season ever uh, for the uh, Blackhawks last year. With the, or in his career when he was with Chicago last year, playing with Ryan Carpenter, playing with a guy that gives you a little sandpaper as well on that line. They get him from Edmonton, Jujar Kara, uh, for the uh, from Edmonton, and now he's with uh, Chicago. Uh, all of a sudden, first second line could be dynamic, really dynamic and explosive. The third line's got some ability to score and produce for you, and even like with Strom on the fourth line, I wouldn't put it past them to chip in offensively. Uh, as well, the blue line, we know that's been the issue, right, for years. Just couldn't defend. The blue line's been just terrible for the last couple of years for Chicago, but it's definitely improved. We talked about Seth Jones uh, and the uh, bringing him in. Jake McCabe, don't sleep on Jake McCabe going into this season because, look, he played in Buffalo. Sabres were lousy. But if there was one guy that could defend at an above-average level in his own zone, be in good position, knock someone down in front of the net, Jake McCabe was that one guy on defense for the Buffalo Sabres. And I think defensively, he is going to make uh, Chicago better. I do think he's very good in his own zone. I know he's a, just a, a product of a horrible, horrible Buffalo Sabres team. I think that was a great flying way under the radar because all the big headline uh, acquisitions or additions in the offseason for Chicago were Tyler Johnson, Seth Jones, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury, who we'll get to in just a second. Not as many people talked about Jake McCabe. And, you know, I, I, Jake McCabe is going to, I think, with a lot of these guys that leave Buffalo, he's going to get a fresh start, clean slate, change of scenery, a chance to totally revitalize and restart and refuel his game. And I think you're going to see that here 
for him with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Riley Stillman, Connor Murphy, I think, has got some upside and can keep improving. Calvin DeHaan, he's had injury issues. He's a good defender uh, in terms of being a stay-at-home shutdown presence as well. So I think Chicago is going to have a better ability to keep the puck out of their own net. You know, the blue line was definitely improved for this team in the offseason with what they brought in. And, of course, now you've got Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, who, of course, showed you last year what he's capable of. He can still play at a very, very high level. Now, the Chicago defense, while improved, is not quite as, you know, rock steady as Vegas. So we'll see. Can Marc-Andre Fleury keep playing at a high level with a defense that, while improved, may not be quite as good as that Golden Knights blue line last year? That remains to be seen. But, boy... You know, if he's anything close to what we saw last year, and he's certainly going to be motivated. That's the thing that I like about Flurry. He didn't like the way he got bounced out of Vegas. Very, very disingenuous in my mind, the way that whole thing ended. And he is going to be absolutely chomping at the bit to show everybody I can still play. Vegas is going to regret it uh, that they parted ways with me. And I think there's a real, real, real motivation that's off the charts. Mark andre Flurry, if, if he's not motivated to still show you he can play at a high level, he wouldn't have said, I'm coming to play this year for Chicago. He would have retired because he was thinking about that long and hard after he got uh, bounced by Vegas. But he said, no, I'm coming back. I'm going to make this work. I'm excited. And I'm gonna, I think he wants to prove people that he's going uh, to be uh, incredible this year and show everybody what he's capable of and stick it to the Golden Knights, if you will. So I, I, I'm buying into Chicago a little bit cautiously. Because we're still talking about, can all the pieces fit? We mentioned Tyler Johnson. I haven't mentioned him fully yet, but look, Stanley Cup champion, all the experience he has, an offensive force to be sure. Uh, Now, look, his offense diminished last year, but again, he's lost in the shuffle on a team like Tampa Bay. I think he's still a very good offensive player, and he'll make a difference contributing for this Chicago team. So I like the look of this team. They're going to score goals in bunches. I really believe that. The defense looks improved, and of course now they've got Marc-Andre Fleury coming off an outstanding year and motivated, I think, to prove the doubters and specifically his former team wrong. So uh, I'm excited to see how this team plays, and at at least to begin the year, they're a bet-on team for me because I think I like what they've done here. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Got to be a lot of excitement for you with these Blackhawks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I said, this is kind of the, the final push for this core group. You know, you talk about Taves and Kane. Uh, you know, they're getting a bit older. Uh, Kane seems like he might be able to play a, a few more years past this, but with Taves obviously missing last year due to you know health issues and so forth, you wonder if he can win one more, you know, my, he might possibly hang it up. Same thing with Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, he had a like I said, he had a, a, a total out, you know, to just go on and say, I'm going to retire because, you know, I wanted to stay in Vegas and they got rid of me. But no, like I said, he seems to be motivated and focused and, and ready to, you know, to keep playing and at least give it, uh, his all for another season. So I just love everything that they've, that they've done right now. I said, Tyler Johnson was a great pickup as well. Not to mention moving, uh, you know, Brent Seabrook's dead contract. So they are able to get rid of that, get rid of Keith's contract, get, you know, Seth Jones signed long-term. So not only are they still, you know, looking to contend right now, but they have things in motion for the future. You know, Seth Jones, Alex Brinkett, Kirby Doc, that's the future. And, and they're playing and, and could contribute right now as well. So uh, everything, you know, is pointing up. I'm already on the Hawks. Uh, in opening night, I got them at plus. I actually got them at plus two fifty six. Uh, way back in in uh, August when the the lines opened against Colorado, 
it's not dropped to 230. Some places all the way down plus 200. Uh, so I'd you know, tell you guys to grab that sooner than later. I also have a, a ticket on them to win the Stanley Cup at 50 to 1. I just don't think that price is going to be around if they start winning right away because we know the Hawks draw a lot of money as a public team. That could easily turn into 30 to 1 uh, with a hot winning streak, if not 20 to 1 or, or better. So I was able to grab that and you know, I can kind of maneuver with it. If, if the Hawks do make the postseason, I'm, I'm in a good position uh, to at least lock in some kind of profit. But uh, I do think we see the Hawks find a way to get to the playoffs once again with the, with the score. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating. It's just amazing how in like a span of eight months or so, things have completely flipped in terms of the direction of this franchise. I mean, to the point where it looked like we were about to start a long rebuild, and now we're thinking playoffs and maybe making a run. Uh, if we make the playoffs, so uh, just uh, it'll be this is going to be one of the teams that I'm most fascinated to watch uh, throughout the course of the season, no question. Let's go to Terry Edelman's Minnesota Wild, and by the way, uh, we thank everybody in the chat for uh, joining us live uh, here. Uh, we've got Terry Edelman, Let's Go Wild Picks, Earl Sports Bets, Cheshire Cat, How We Feeling, Nate Dog 420. Uh, we welcome in everybody, J Stone Nine. Uh, thanks to every Melissa Cunningham, uh, Brian Watson, uh, Pie Guy, Osby. Uh, we appreciate everybody joining us here for live on YouTube. And, of course, we thank those of you listening to the podcast version uh, of this Western Conference preview show as well. All right, Minnesota Wild, of course, a resurgent year, uh, really a year for the Minnesota Wild where we can say we're now a fun team to watch. And that's the biggest you know, takeaway for me from last year. They became an, a fun team to watch play with you know uh, with Dean Everson he lets them attack he lets them you know make plays with the puck go up and down the ice way more than we've seen out of Mike Yo and going all the way back to the Jacques Lemaire days obviously I mean they just had a bunch of coaches where even with Boudreaux there for a bit it didn't exactly go up and down uh the ice and you know show off their offensive skill set show off their speed uh the way they have the last couple of years and for the Minnesota Wild you know obviously there was a lot of talk about, you know, were they going to be able to get the contract done with Kirill, the thrill Kaprizov, and they were able to do that. Of course, they part ways with uh, Ryan Suter. Had to be done. It's sad to see this, the season be such a struggle for him with Minnesota last year, but uh, that's what happens when Father Time knocks on your door. He's unforgiving, and that's exactly what's happened to Ryan Suter uh, the last year or two. Uh, they say goodbye to Nick Benino, Ian Cole gone, but you know, when you look at the additions, I like Alex Goligoski brought in. Dmitry Akulikov's a veteran defenseman. It's more than capable. Uh, John Merrill, most of their additions coming on the uh, back end to solidify uh, the blue line because there was work because of you losing a guy like Suter. So you need uh, other people to step up, eat up the minutes. You know, I don't mind the blue line. Brodine, Dumba, Goligoski, Spurgeon, Kulikov. Uh, and John Merrill. And John Merrill got some playoff time last year uh, with the Minnesota Wild. And, of course, up front, Parise. Uh, they say goodbye to him as well, uh, moving on from him. And, look, Parise and Suter have been st uh, stalwarts for the Minnesota Wild uh, for the last decade or so, or going on a decade. And, you know, it's it's going to be different seeing, you know, this team take the ice without those two guys. But I think they're a better team for it. It's got to be said. I hate to say that, but, you know, it's true. They're a better team for it. Uh, Kaprizov, Erickson Eck had a nice year last year. Uh, Matt Zuccarello it can still play very well. If Again, stay healthy for an 82-game season is the question mark. But look, breakout year for Erickson Eck, 19 goals, 11 assists, uh, you know, career bests uh, for him, which is a good sign. You got Marcus Foligno, Hartman, and Greenway back again. Uh, let's see if Kevin Fiala, uh, you know, can keep up the kind of year uh, he had uh, last year. Uh, so it's definitely, a, you know, he's been a consistent 20-goal guy 
uh, in the league. We'll see if that carries over to this year. They've got some players uh, in the pipeline uh, as well. Marco Rossi, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how much they think of him and how quickly he might be able to get uh, into the lineup uh, at some point. Uh, and then, of course, in goal, uh, same two uh, goalies as last year, Cam Talbot, Capo uh, Kakinen. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Kak, if these guys can pl- continue to play well. Talbot had some really great stretches uh, last year for the Minnesota Wild. And look, he played well in the playoffs that one year for Calgary as well. But uh, Minnesota is one of those teams that I don't know if they're going to make a leaps and bounds jump, you know, in terms of uh, last year. I don't know if that's going to be true because when you look at the division, you're still going to have to contend with Colorado. You're still going to have to contend uh, with uh, St. Louis. You're still going to have Chicago is going to be better uh, this year. So where does that leave Minnesota? It's going to force Minnesota to have to be as good, if not better, than they were last year. I think we'll get to Winnipeg in a second. I think they're really going to improve this year, that Jets team. So where does that leave Minnesota? I think they're a good team. They're a competitive team. But for me, it's not really a strong bet on or bet against because I think they're going to stay right at or near where they were last year with a chance for slight improvement. The problem is there's going to be a lot of other teams that are going to be as good or will improve as well here in the Central. So I don't know if that makes their ceiling as high as it should be, even though I do think on paper they do look like a little bit of an improved team and an improved roster. Uh, Alex, what's your thoughts here? Minnesota Wild. Yeah, like I said, this is a fun team to watch. They're, they're a competitive team. They don't give up. You see the last two nights they've had back-to-back uh, overtime wins where they had to come back. They were down 3 nothing against the Blues, uh, end up, you know, having a, blown a 2-1 lead against the Hawks, and both times they end up getting the win. The culture has changed with the Minnesota Wild, and, and that's all due to Dean Evison, uh, head coach, and Bill Guerin, their GM. Uh, you know, they, they're emphasizing that, you know, play hard every shift, every minute, uh, and, and give it your all. And they're, it's, you know, coming out now where to the point of, you know, they're not rebuilding anymore. They are contenders. And because of how they got rid of uh, Suter and, and uh, Parise's deals, their contracts, and now with the new deal with Caprizov, they really have a window of maybe two, three years tops before they run into some serious uh, salary cap trouble. They got to start winning right now. So, like I said, we, they got to you know prove to everybody that it wasn't a fluke because they were in you know the that realigned Western Division last year. So they got the feast on San Jose and Anaheim and Phoenix. Uh, like I said, can they can they hang around? We know they, they play tough with Colorado. They play tough with the Hawks. Like I said, but now with you know Dallas, uh, you know looking to bounce back. Uh, like I said, Winnipeg and St. Louis, they they still always uh, have a punch of chance. So they they got to you know prove their weight. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think they're going to be a, a fun team to watch once again. I think there's going to be a, a lot of uh, chances to bet on them and a lot of overs uh, as well, especially if the goaltending doesn't hold up just as much as it did before. I mean, Cam Talbot, like I said, getting a bit older. You, you know, he had some great stretches last year, but we know he can regress you know, a little bit, and, and that might be some kind of trouble. But Kakinen also going into his second year, you know, he, he can avoid the sophomore slump, and maybe they can stay afloat. I think they're a playoff team. I think they find a way to uh, sneak in with the wild card. But uh, there'll definitely be some betting opportunities uh, with sides and totals on the wild this year. All right, Dallas Stars uh, next up in this Central Division. Um, can't say I'm an enamored with this team. Like, you can't have every team improve. I think Chicago's improved. I think Minnesota's going to be as good, if not better, than last year. Colorado ain't going anywhere. So you got to have someone other than Arizona, you know, really take a fall. Um, this could be the team that takes that fall. Uh, the Dallas Stars. I mean, I don't love the t- the team on paper uh, when you look at it. Tyler Sagan, can we trust him to be on the ice for a full year? I don't know. Uh, and he's a streaky player. He's had some great 
you know, offensive streaks, goal scoring streaks, point streaks, and then you can't see him for 10, 15 games, doesn't do anything for you. That's an issue. Uh, you, Jamie Benn's kind of the same way, actually even more than Sagan in that category. I mean, he could go through some wicked slumps and then just all of a sudden catch fire uh, offensively. Uh, these are guys now that are, you know, going and progressing now to the latter stages, two of their career, the back half of their career. Pavelski, clearly the same thing uh, as well. You know, Hinson, I like Jason Robertson. Clearly, we saw his talent on display uh, last year. Uh, the, the bottom six forward group, you know, they bring in Michael Roffel uh, in the offseason, uh, bring him in uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, you know, Yoni Hockenpah on the blue line comes in uh, as well, Anaheim, and then he was with Carolina. Uh, and they also have, uh, addition, you know, Ryan Suter is a head scratcher. And I know Jimmy Murphy, uh, Alex was with us when we mentioned I don't have no clue, not zero, why uh, the Dallas Stars thought it was imperative to sign Ryan Suter uh, and get him uh, in the offseason. That was baffling to me. He doesn't make your blue line better. I hate to say this. He's had a terrific career, outstanding. But at this stage of his career, the guy does not make your blue line better. He does not. Uh, and, and I was surprised that uh, Dallas went in that direction. Their blue line is their strength. I mean, uh, I don't like that Suter's there now. I don't at all. Uh, but Haskinen, Lindell, Klingberg, that trio is excellent. Uh, and they're going to have to be once again. And then you look at the goaltending, though. I, I, To me, it's not NHL bona fide, outstanding, top-tier goaltending across the board with any of the goalies they have coming into the air. I don't know how good Jake Ottinger is. The sample size is just too small right now. It's been good in spurts, but uh, he hasn't put it together for a long period of time. Anton Udobin is now Mr. Old Man uh, Winter on this team uh, from a goaltending standpoint. We didn't see him play as well last year, and injuries crept up. And they bring in Braden Holpe, you know, a guy that's just he has, has had his worst years the last couple. You know, the last year or two in Washington didn't go so well for him. Vancouver last year, not very good when put into the uh, goal, when starting games last year for the Canucks. So the goaltending bothers me for Dallas. It's got to be said, Alex, in a tough division like the Central, you know, where I think so many teams are as good as they were last year or better than they were last year. I don't see that same type of ceiling for the Dallas Stars. So for me, they're a bet against squad. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on Dallas? Yeah, I agree. I, I There's nothing that really, you know, sticks out with the Stars team. Like I, said, I don't understand why they went uh, and got Holby. I guess, you know, we still don't know what the, the deal is going to be with uh, Ben Bishop. He's still around, but is he going to be fully healthy? Is he, you know, uh, it seemed, I just seemed like his career might be done, to be honest. But uh, like I said, to add Holby to that mix of, you know, is Ottinger ready? He, you know, you're taking time away from him. Uh, you know, Kadobin, like I said, getting a, a bit long in the tooth. Do you move him somewhere or, or do, you know, do something? It just, they just created a, a bit of a mess there in, in net. And like you said, some of the forwards and, and, and defensive signs, like I said, uh, Ryan Suter, I, I don't quite get why they had, he's a top line, you know, he's going to be on you know, the top line too, uh, according to Cat Friendly, looking at the, the depth chart with Klingberg. I don't think he's got enough to be a, a top line defenseman. One thing, if you needed some depth, if you had injury issues or something, you brought him in. But to have him, you know, for a full year, uh, you expect him to, to contribute at 36 uh, when we've seen a, a steep decline in his game. I just don't see, uh, you know, what value they offer. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if, if teams, if the, the books rather, are, are high on Dallas early, and then we'll be able to fade them. You know, get some uh, some decent prices. I, I don't know. The jury remains to be out with them, but uh, like you said, somebody's got to be trending downward. And it, you know, it seems like the Dallas Stars might be that team that's on the outside looking in the playoff picture. Yeah, it, it seems that way to me. And 
I think this could be a sneaky over-the-total team in their games as well. I think they'll score a little bit more with what they've got up front, especially if Pavelski, Sagan, Ben uh, stay healthy. And then they've got, of course, Jay, uh, Robertson, uh, who came on like a gangbusters last year, Radulov if he's healthy. like They've got offense, definitely. But Suter, that's that's going to make the blue line worse. And let's not forget who they lost on the blue line last in terms of departures. You know, Pissick. Uh, Jamie Oleksiak is a huge loss. Jamie Oleksiak's a great, great defenseman in terms of just blocking shots, defending the front of the net, being in good position. That's a loss to the blue line for Dallas. They're probably weaker defensively in terms of defending other teams without Oleksiak this year. So to me, this is definitely a team that I think could score and maybe give up more goals. And certainly their goaltending sh- uh, questionable on paper. So definitely could see some overs with Dallas uh, this year. Last year, Dallas terms of totals, uh, in fact, last year, believe it or not, they were 27 overs, 20 unders, which is kind of surprising. They still had more overs than unders last year. You could see more of that if this year uh, as well. All right, the Winnipeg Jets uh, next up. Um, this is the team that I took. Like, I would lean Chicago to win the Central. I don't mind that bet at that price. I don't mind even Minnesota. You know, I think Colorado's the, clearly the favorite and probably deserved to be the favorite to win the Central. But if I'm going to take a shot with uh, – Teams be other than Colorado, Minnesota's a consideration, Chicago's a consideration, but by number one, my number one consideration as a futures bet to win the Central other than Colorado is Winnipeg. I really like what the Jets did. You can get the Jets 13 to 1 uh, in that range, uh, 16 to 1 as well in some spots to win the Central. They addressed what they had to address, Alex, in the offseason, the blue line. Blue line has been their detriment. It's just not been, they've had to rely on a lot of guys like Tucker Pullman and and so many uh, defensemen in roles that they're not really comfortable or equipped to handle just yet. And now Winnipeg addressed the blue line and props to Kevin Shevel day off the GM for doing that. Uh, He knew the blue line was a weakness, a, a clear issue on this team. And he brought in Nate Schmidt and he brought in Brendan Dillon, two terrific additions to this Winnipeg Jets, uh, blue line, uh, guys that have experience, guys that have played in the playoffs before, uh, outstanding GM work uh, by Kevin Sheveldayoff, bringing in Brendan Dillon, bringing in uh, Nate Schmidt. And now you go with Dylan DeMello, who went healthy, who's been very good going back to when they got him from Ottawa. Neil Pionk has taken a huge step forward. He was actually one of the best Jets defensemen last year, I thought. Neil Pionk started with the Rangers, uh, and last year with the Jets was very good. Josh Morrissey. You know, probably get be more comfortable because he's not going to have to play as many minutes with Dylan and Schmidt now on the blue line. They're very high on the young kid, Billy Hainala, uh, who they think might see some time on this uh, blue line as well during the course of the season. Up front, you know they're still going to have offensive capabilities. Kyle Connor, Paul Stastny, Blake Wheeler, Nikolai Ehlers, a tremendous season for him last year. And I think Pierre-Luc Dubois will have a bounce back here. Think about the situation. He gets to Columbus or gets to Winnipeg from Columbus. He has to quarantine for so long. He has to all of a sudden be thrust into a team where he's trying to find a role, trying to fit in a team that was already pretty deep up front. I think now with a full training camp, he's going to be established in Winnipeg. He's going to get comfortable in his surroundings, being in that town. And now he's going to be a lot more comfortable in this team. And I think he'll be a lot better. He'll be your value guy for player props and points and shots on goal, all of that. Uh, He's too talented for me to be as poor as he was down the stretch for the Winnipeg Jets in the regular season and playoffs last year. So I think Pierre-Luc Dubois, PLD, 
uh, as they call them. Uh, the local uh, Jets media calls them that PLD. I'm like, what the fuck are they? Oh, yeah, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, that is. Uh, but that's what they call him, and I think he'll play a lot better. Watch out for Jansen Harkins, too. I think he's going to get more playing time. He's got a lot of offensive upside. He's probably going to play on the third line with Adam Lowry and Christian Veselainen, who they have some high hopes for as well. Uh, and then they bring in Riley Nash, a nice fourth liner, give you some grit, good forechecker, uh, all of that. So, And then, of course, you've still got one of the premier goalies in the NHL, in my opinion, Connor Hellebuck. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with them in goal, obviously, with him. So, yeah, bet on, buy sign all the way for me with the Winnipeg Jets. And I took him at that 12 to 16 to 1 price range to win the central as well alex your thoughts on the winnipeg jets yeah i mean they, they seem to be a solid sturdy team like you said pierre luc dubois is going to be the x factor if he can really get his game back uh to a tip-top level and and really you know chime in offensively uh that that's going to pay dividends for, for this jets team but uh obviously it starts with connor hellebuck and you wonder you know he's played so many minutes you wonder if he you know gets bogged down a bit they don't have laurent bassois anymore who was you know turned into one of the best backups in the league. They, they have to go with Eric Comrie. So we'll see if he's ready to kind of, you know, handle that 20, 25 game workload because, uh, you know, like I said, Hellebuck, you don't want to just ride him into the ground, uh, especially if you're going to be, you know, a, a playoff contender, especially with all these tough teams that we talked about in, in this division. So uh, I, I'm not as high on, on this team as you are. I think they're going to be a, a competitive team. They're going to be a team worth betting on, but uh, I think they will still probably find their way probably more so outside of the range. I think Chicago is better. I think St. Louis is better, uh, you know, and so they'll, they you know, just kind of fade out late. And like I said, it, it all depends on Hellebuck. If Hellebuck, you know, can't, uh, you know, stand on his head or, or, you know, if he does, if he were to get injured, they would be in some serious trouble. Yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely Hellebuck. It's imperative because you're right. You don't have that stabilizer to back him up. And Brossois played very well for them last year. So now you got to turn to Eric Comrie, a little more of an unknown back there. And I think they want to at least try to get Comrie in there a bit, you know, to preserve the energy and the stamina of Hellebuck come playoff time. So interesting how Paul Maurice plays it uh, with the goaltending this year. All right, final team uh, for the Central Division, Colorado Avalanche, obviously. Um, Minus 260 to win the division. There's no way I'm laying that price with them. They obviously are very capable of winning the division here. I don't doubt that for a second. But you look at this team, you know, they're going to be loaded for bear offensively with Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen, Comfort, Kadri, Burakovsky, Alex Newhook. Watch out for him. He can, he's, has the chance to be uh, an impact player very quickly uh, offensively for this uh, Colorado team, even though he's only 20 years old. Tyson Jost, Nachushkin. Uh, Maltsev, bring in Darren Helm. I like that uh, addition. Darren Helms have been around a long time with Detroit. Obviously, he's been there for a lot of bad years, but he was also on Detroit going all the way back, I believe, to when they won one of their cups way back when with Babcock. And that was like a long, long time ago. So Darren Helms been around a very long time um, and I think could help that Colorado team a little bit, that fourth line center spot, uh, give them you know, a good forechecking type of role. The blue line's interesting because, you know, unfortunately for them, uh, you know, they were victimized losing a guy like uh, Graves, of course, uh, who is gone uh, from that blue line. Uh, you know, there's a couple other key pieces gone. Of course, up front, they lose Jonas Donskoy, uh, you know, Patrick Nemeth gone. And the shocking one uh, not not is Philip Grubauer. I'm very surprised, you know, that somehow, some way they didn't come to an agreement with Philip Grubauer. And it kind of led to Colorado scrambling because, wait, wait a minute, we don't have Grubauer. We've got to get a number one guy. But they addressed it probably as well as they could. I mean, I like Darcy Kemper. 
You know, it's probably as good a move as they could have possibly made at the time in terms of trying to fill that number one goaltending role. But here's the problem. Pavel Francouz is on IR, and you've got only Jonas Johansson behind him. And we've seen enough of Jonas Johansson to know that's not a guy to trust uh, right now. So uh, to me, there's question marks. What happens if anything happens to Grubauer from an injury standpoint? But I've seen enough now, Alex, out of Grubauer that I think this guy, and because of the fact that I think there could be a couple more questions on their blue line now this year coming into the year, because a lot of their defensemen, Gerard, McCarr, Bo Byram, you know, Ryan Murray even, a lot of the and Devin Taves by Devon Taves by the way uh, is going to be uh, missing uh, the regular season. He's going to miss quite a bit of time off season surgery. He's going to have to recover from that. This is going to be a blue line that's more known for their puck moving and their skating, not so much their defending. So there's going to be a big onus on Darcy Kemper, you know, to have to play well here uh, for the Colorado Avalanche in net this season. So uh, they could be in some higher scoring, especially early till they get Devon Taves back. Devon Taves is one of their best shutdown defensemen. And without him, they could have to play a f- win a few more six, five, five, four games. And I'd be hesitant to lay big numbers with Colorado this year, you know, for as amazing as they were last year and their metrics were off the charts. Good. Can they duplicate it again this year is a big question. Alex, your thoughts on the avalanche. Yeah, you know, obviously, like I said, they're, they're the big favorites to win the division, the conference, the Stanley Cup. And it makes sense because you look at how loaded their offense is. But like I said, the question marks of, you know, health on the blue line and health in net. You know, like I said, Francois is, is out and he's on IR. But, you know, Kemper is, is a guy who's, you know, we've seen him, you know, time and time again when he was in Arizona get uh, hurt. He, you know, struggled to stay healthy. So, uh, you know, that's the thing. You wanted to try to, you know, get the question marks, uh, you know, answered. Um, you know, can you get a, a number one goalie that's stable? They still don't really have that. That still remains to be seen. So, like you said, they're going to be heavily favored. I'm already fading them night one uh, when they play Chicago. Uh, there's definitely going to be some bet against spots uh, for the Colorado Avalanche with these high high lines that they're going to be uh, favored by. So that's something I'll be looking at. But overall, they're going to find a way to uh, definitely win some games. They're, they, they're going to compete. And uh, they're going to be at the top, if not win this this division. That shouldn't be an issue. But I don't know if they have the horses it takes to make it out of – they haven't been past the second round in, in ages, whatever they've been in the postseason. So I don't know if they're going to be uh, cup contender. They seem to be kind of just the same old uh, Colorado Avalanche that we saw from the years past. And they're sort of in that same boat as Toronto a little bit and some other teams where they got to show it in the playoffs more than they have. I mean, this is now a couple second, at least they've won a few, a first round, unlike Toronto, but you know, that's a couple second round exits they've had now, you know, under this McKinnon, Landeskog, Ranton and Corn. There was some talk that uh, they might not bring Landeskog, you know, their captain back, but they ended up doing that. So uh, there's some proving ground for the uh, Colorado Avalanche this year, for sure. All right, let's turn our, uh, before we wrap up the Central, I will say there's two make the playoff bets I've made, Chicago and Winnipeg uh, in this division. I'm on Winnipeg at minus 140, make the playoffs, and Chicago's around even money, minus 115 uh, to make the playoffs. Those are the two make, miss the playoffs bets uh, that I made. I haven't bet any missed the playoffs, but um, I'm uh, in terms of yet. But uh, I was looking at Dallas, but uh, uh, I'm I'm going to wait and see on that. Uh, I'm tempted though by the no on Dallas plus 185 for sure to miss the playoffs for them. So uh, that's where I'm kind of looking. I haven't bet Dallas yet, but I might add it. And I do like Chicago and Winnipeg to make the playoffs in the uh, Central uh, Division. All right, let's go to the Pacific Division. Alex, we're going to clump these three teams together, talk them about them all at once here. And I'm talking about the three teams that probably are going to battle for the basement, Anaheim, San Jose, Los Angeles. 
uh, here in this division. It's odd, you know, I, I didn't mention Seattle, and I'll get to Seattle in a minute. I'm not saying Las Vegas or Vegas Golden Knights type of success in year one. Clearly, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that team's going to be so freaking tough and, and a tough out every night. We'll get to them in a sec. I actually think San Jose, L.A., Anaheim, they're all behind Seattle uh, in this division. When you look at those three teams, I mean, for San Jose, they actually should be better addition by subtraction. At least Martin Jones is gone, and he's not going to start the majority of your games this year. You got to look at that, you know, as a positive if you're San Jose. But is your goaltending still vastly upgraded with James Reimer and Aiden Hill? Uh, I wouldn't say that's the case by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you look at up front, uh, you know, a Vander Kane situation is hanging over this team like a dark cloud. If it's not one thing, it's another. If it's not gambling allegations, it's fucking vaccine, va- fake vaccine cards. Uh, vaccination cards. It's just one freaking mess after another with Evander Kane. And the, if you believe the reports, the players want him out. You know, they, they want the distractions. They want the, you know, the black cloud out of there, out of the dressing room, out of the team. Um, and we'll see if that gets cleared up. The problem is, Alex, Evander Kane for his screw-ups and his issues off the ice, he's probably the best guy they've got offensively. And now if you don't have him playing for you, where are the goals going to come from? I mean, Logan Couture slowed down his production the last couple of years. I mean, you got Kevin LeBanc, hurdles constantly hurt and out of the lineup, Timo Meyer, and then you go down the third and the fourth line. You can't count on anybody there to be a consistent offensive weapon for you. The defense, Burns is on the downward trajectory. Carlson is just a disaster still in his own end, even though he's still got that creativity offensively uh, and on the power play. Uh, for Mario Ferraro, Radim Simek. Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, who has been a very good, sturdy, stay-at-home shutdown defenseman, but now has a lot of years under his belt, and even we saw him get beaten a few times. Defensive miscues you don't usually see from him. So just a team that I think offensively they're not going to score enough. They're still going to give up a lot, and to me they're a team that's definitely going to struggle. San Jose, uh, Anaheim's going to be awful, I think. I'm sorry, I hate to say that, but Gibson's going to have to steal so many games for them. Uh, other than the top line of Maxime Comtois, Trevor Zegras, and Troy Terry, uh, Henrik Getzlaff, and Raquel. They're supposed to be guys that can score, but they didn't do it consistently enough last year for them. Can they bounce? They're going to have to bounce back this year. And the third and the fourth line, you're going to get Precious Little. I'm sh- not shocked, but Jakob Silverberg's a guy that's been a good offensive player in the past, and his game's just deteriorated uh, for the Anaheim Ducks uh, the last year or two. The blue line is still pretty reasonable. Watch out for Jamie Drysdale. They like him a lot. He's going to get immediate ability to be on this roster in a top four role. Kevin Shattenkirk brought in, but he doesn't really move the needle for me. And, of course, Lindholm, Fowler, and Manson still from last year on the blue line. It's a lot's going to fall on Anaheim. I think the one team of this trio, Alex, that's got a little upside, it's L.A. It's the Los Angeles Kings. And I'm not saying yet they're a playoff team. They're in a tough conference overall pretty competitive Pacific division, but I follow was great last year. Kopitar still got some gas in the tank. I like the addition of Victor Arvidsson from the Nashville Predators. Uh, you know, Philip Dano, great, great addition defensively going to help this team. I mean, obviously he got ripped for his offensive ineptitude, but defensively is as good as it gets as a defensive forward. We saw what he did shutting down Matthews and Marner, shutting down the jets, shutting down key Vegas players last year in the playoffs for Montreal. It's a nice addition there. Uh, bottom six forward, I you know, Athenasiu is a wild card. He can look great. He can be non-existent. Uh, Trevor Moore showed me something a little bit last year. Velarde, Wagner, Lemieux, a solid fourth line. 
You look at the blue line, I still worry about it. Doughty's getting older. Uh, Edler, you know, can't stay healthy, and he's an older defenseman now. Sean Walker's solid. Matt Roy's solid, but they still struggled at times to defend, gave up chances last year. Uh, and Cal Peterson's got to show that he can continue to get better. I do think they're, they're still going to give up some goals, but they're going to score more this year, maybe an over team. But I still think there's most of uh, upside of these bottom dwellers, Alex, in the Pacific Division out of Anaheim, San Jose, and L.A. It's L.A. that I think has got the biggest upside to maybe be a bet on team, be a profitable team, and maybe uh, surprise a few people. Uh, Alex, your take on these three teams here, the California teams, if you will, uh, San Jose, Anaheim, L.A. Yeah, like you said, L.A. is definitely the team that where there will be some spots worth betting on with this team. Obviously, uh, the Quinton Byfield injury, that's unfortunate. Uh, obviously, he's a, a talent that uh, you definitely would want to see, uh, you know, get as much time as possible and, and help, you know, with the process of, of rebuilding, they're going to be uh, uh, the better team of the three for quite some time. I think that, you know, their ceiling is, is quite high, uh, but like I said, they're still going to go through some growing pains where, you know, Anaheim, I mean, how long does John Gibson stay in Anaheim? I think at some point he might get moved at the deadline and, and you know, they can get a bunch of assets back and, you know, really get this whole rebuild started, but it, it's going to be, you know, pretty ugly in San Jose. Like I said, there's no offense without Evander Kane, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, if they can't get any goals and we know how the defense is, that goaltending, like you said, it's still shaky. Uh, those are the two teams that, you know, like I said, fade them you know, as early as you can because uh, they're probably going to get priced out to the point where they're going to be, you know, plus 250, 300 uh, underdogs, you know, every other night. Yeah, no question. Uh, definitely, I think that's what we're looking at. San Jose, it'll be rough, I think. Anaheim, for sure, I think it's going to be a tough year, unless Gibson steals some, which he could, but that's asking a lot. Uh, and then, of course, you've got uh, Los Angeles, who I think of, of all the teams, I think that the, and there's a lot in the prospect pipeline right now for the Kings as well. Uh, they've replenished that quite well. Uh, unfortunate setback, you're right, with Quinton Byfield, Alex. I was looking forward to seeing him play this year uh, for the Kings, and uh, he's going to be out indefinitely. Tough, tough blow. Uh, for the uh, Los Angeles Kings to deal with that. All right, let's go to the Seattle Kraken next up, the expansion team, year one. Look, this team I think is going to be very difficult, very stingy, very feisty, and very competitive. Now, how many games they're going to win is going to be the big question, but they're positioned to be better than some people think, and here's why with them. They've got a foundation in terms of their defense and their goaltending that they're going to be able to rely on. They've actually got a very good blue line, and I'm shocked they built a blue line as good as they were able to already. Vince Dunn from the Blues is a great addition. He's good, very good. Adam Larson had a resurgent year last year for the Edmonton Oilers, and they're going to miss him. He's now with this Seattle team. Giordano, you know, obviously not what he was in his prime, but he's still a plus defenseman, leadership, obviously, uh, for this team. You know, he's been a captain with the Flames all these years. That's going to help the dressing room element for Seattle, uh, for Seattle. Jamie Oleksiak was another great addition. Dallas, he's a very good stay-at-home defenseman. Susie and Will Borgen are, are good. They've got some depth there with Jeremy Lozon and Hayden Fleury uh, as well. That is a blue line that's going to be tough to score against. I'm serious. That is a blue line that you're going to have to work to get goals against, get inside position against, get open ice against, because they're all plus defenders for the most part. So And that's going to help them out. We talked about them getting Philip Grubauer. A lot of us didn't see that happening. Uh, Seattle landing Grubauer, but they did. And now with him and Chris Drieger, uh, that ends up forming a very solid one-two punch in net. And in fact, Vesna Trophy, because I think he's going to have a good defense too in front of him, uh, which means maybe he's not 
worthy of this award if you think about it if he's gonna have a good blue line in front of him but i'll say this right now you could do a lot worse than taking philip grubauer 12 to 1 for the vesna to be honest with you because he played at a vesna caliber level last year with colorado he's i've seen enough of grubauer to know he's a he's shown me that he can be a number one goalie he can and he's gonna have a more than decent defense in front of him the problem for seattle is who's gonna score for them consistently and that's where the issues are this can be this is there's not many teams that you could say alex these days dead nuts under team in their games that's going to be seattle this is going to be a team that's probably going to have to win a lot of two to one three to one four to one type of games this season uh jaden schwartz jared mccann could be good but now they got him in a top line role i don't know if jared mccann's a top line guy as a forward same with jordan eberly good with the islanders and oilers in the past but top line role top line minutes top line scoring Output, can he give you that? Uh, I'm not so sure. Uh, Johansson, Wenberg, and Donskoy on the second line. Brendan Tanev, Callie Yarncroke, Mason. That's actually a very good third line, good checking line. And then Ryan Donato. I like the fourth line too. Morgan Geeky, who is good with Carolina. Riley Shahan. I mean, I like that fourth line. But that top six in particular, we're used to seeing teams in the league, Alex, with firepower, with huge time game, big time offensive game breakers. I just don't see that really for Seattle in the top six. So the offense could be a little bit tricky to come by, but I think their blue line one through six is really steady, really solid, and they've got the goaltending with Grubauer and Drieger. So I think they're going to be bet on at times. They're going to be probably a, a good under team uh, in their games, but it is going to be uh, a situation where teams are going to have to work you know, if they're going to beat Seattle this year. Alex, what are your thoughts on the debut season for the Kraken? Yeah, you know, a lot of the pricing we're seeing with uh, Seattle, you know, it's it got a lot to do with how Vegas played. Uh, you know, the books are, aren't going to be uh, caught off guard again with a, a expansion team that could possibly, you know, make a playoff run and, and get all the way to a cup final. I don't think that's the case with Seattle, but they're just going to, you know, play it safe than sorry. Uh, and so they're, you know, lined as a middle of the pack team in the Pacific. And like I said, because of how bad the bottom of this division is, uh, they will have a, a fighter's chance most nights, but they're going to have to play, like I said, with defense first, which is not really how most teams get it done in the Pacific. Usually we see a lot of offense, uh, you know, so it, it's going to be interesting. I think this is going to be a, a, t- a team to definitely look at some unders for sure, but I don't know where there will be some spots where they can catch teams, especially keep in mind, adding another you know spot another two nights to a west coast road trip for certain teams because now they got to stop in Seattle and then Vancouver or then Calgary you know that that's going to extend those road trips i think that's how they're going to be able to get some wins and we saw that with Vegas in their first year they were able to, to catch some teams uh because of those extended road trips and, and certain spots so i'll have them lightly circle for for a couple of bet on spots probably won't be looking to fade them heavy uh, either like i said they're going to draw some money uh early but they're definitely going to be a team that I think is going to get it done defensively. So looking for them uh, to go under the total in most games. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably a good uh, bet there, looking for some unders with Seattle. All right, the Calgary Flames and uh, Daryl Sutter. Now a full season of Daryl Sutter uh, as the head coach of the uh, Calgary Flames. So we'll see how this goes. But look, we didn't see that same Daryl Sutter and the immediate improvement from a team like we saw when he took over for L.A. You know, he took over for John Stevens years ago as head coach of the Kings, and right away, Daryl Sutter's Kings team improved and won a couple of cups, and the rest is history. You know, that did not happen. That did not happen in Calgary last year. They still they had an initial little burst when he first got there. They started to win. A, they went on a little streak, a little spurt, but it didn't last. 
and they ended up scuffling down the stretch and ultimately uh, missing the playoffs, the Calgary Flames last year. And now the onus is going to be on Daryl Sutter to get the most out of a core that is underachieved. Let's be honest, this is a better team than they have shown in the last couple of years, and they just have not played up to that level. We'll see if Daryl Sutter can get and Now they've made some changes, Mark Giordano being the biggest one. Uh, he's out. I like some of the moves they made, though. I will say that. How they translate, can they can they make them work is the question. Blake Coleman's the obvious one. Blake Coleman is a great, great forward. Scores for you. Big goals. Clutch player. We saw him score some big goals for Tampa in the run to the Stanley Cup last year. He's physical. He's got some sandpaper to him. We see he's got a little nasty and mean streak to him as well. Doesn't mind, you know, getting uh, throwing the body around. Uh, he doesn't mind dropping the gloves every now and then. Uh, so I like the addition there for the Calgary Flames. I don't love the Erica Branson addition uh, as much. I mean, he's a guy that's lumbering, doesn't skate all that well uh, in his own zone. He does add a physical dimension, but you know that's not exactly something that's great. Uh, Jacob Markstrom. There's going to be a lot that falls on his plate. You know, when you look at the blue line, uh, Chris Tanev. Solid Noah Hannafin now is going to be asked, though, to play top pair minutes. And this is a guy that's kind of underachieved at times. Now he's going to be asked to play a lot of minutes nightly. Can he handle that? Zadorov, Rasmus Anderson, Yuso Valamaki, uh, Oliver Shillington rounding out the blue line. Uh, Markstrom, uh, Vladar, Dan Vladar, they get him from Boston to back him up. There's a lot of unknowns back there in terms of behind Markstrom. So they not only better hope Markstrom's healthy, but has a better year than he did last year. Let's be honest. It was not a good year for Jacob Markstrom last year in Calgary. His goals against went up. His save percentage went down. That was a very, very rough season. Nothing like he played in his last year with the Canucks. Not even close uh, for Jacob Markstrom. But there's just too many unknowns, Alex. I mean, can Goudreau be good for 82 games consistently? What about Kachuk? Kachuk was very good at times and then even went into slumps. That's an issue. Uh, Sean Monahan, I'm done trusting him to show up for me for an 82 game season after what I've seen the last couple of years. So for me, this is bet against until I'm proven wrong. I'm willing to say, say, uh, leave the door open that a guy that's taken teams and improved teams like Daryl Sutter can get the most out of this group. But boy, I'm not saying that with any definitive confidence that yeah, Calgary is going to be an improved team just because Daryl Sutter's there because he didn't really move the needle or make them better down the stretch last year. They went right back in the tank again. I'm going to need to be proven that Calgary's better before I'm run running out there to bet on them. Uh, at least to begin the season. Alex, what's your thoughts, Calgary Flames? Yeah, I took this season points total under at uh, 91 and a half. I think this is going to be a, a, a team that we'll be able to fade most of the year. I think they're going to miss the postseason. And it's got a lot to do with, like I said, the goaltending. If Markstrom, you know, struggles or it can't stay healthy, you got Dan Vladar, and then you got Adam Warner as the third stringer. Uh, that could be really ugly, especially when we talk about, like I said, you know, teams uh, that have the firepower like Vegas, like Edmonton. Uh, teams that can lock you down defensively like Seattle. Uh, it, it's going to be a rough go for Calgary if they can't get things rolling. Like I said, you know, uh, you know, how long can, you know, Sutter, you know, is he going to be one of these guys that can kind of adapt to the newer modern style? Or is he going to just, you know, kind of keep his, his same old, uh, you know, defensive ways. And then this team ends up, you know, going on, on a long losing streak, uh, you know, and then he just, his voice just starts to, you know, get a little quiet and get lost in that locker room. So this just seems to be a, a lot more trending downward than upward for Calgary. So uh, that's why I played their points so under. I think they missed the postseason. They need the, they need Goudreau. They need Monahan to have full consistent years. They can't have these 10, 15 game stretches during a year, Alex, where they're getting one or two points. That can't happen or two goals. I mean, that can't happen. You need they're they're, they're your game breakers. They're the guys you've invested in offensively. 
You know, you've spent high draft capital with these guys. They've got to get it done for you. Enough with the excuses. You know, and Giordano's not there to, you know, as the captain anymore. There's going to be a new voice now in the dressing room. What about these guys stepping up and being the voice? Goudreau, Monahan, you guys have been there long enough. Why don't you show some leadership? Why don't you get out there and produce and make an impact consistently, not once in a while when you feel like it? That's not the way it works. You got to do it every single night, and you don't always see it from these guys. And we've seen it long enough, too, from them that I got to see it from them that they can be consistent because it's been too long now that these guys have been, you know, you know, just floating around on the ice, not, you know, competing to the fullest extent that they can, not really scoring goals the way they sh- they're capable of. And I need to see that change from Calgary and those core players, Monahan, Goudreau in particular, before I'm ready to uh, invest in them. That's the way I see it with the uh, Calgary Flames. All right, we've got two teams left here in the Pacific Division. Let's go to the Vancouver uh, Canucks uh, next up. A very, very intriguing team because, uh, or sorry, we've got uh, four, three teams left, uh, Edmonton and Vegas after this. But yes, the Vancouver Canucks, this is an intriguing team here, uh, Alex, because look, it just, everything went wrong last year. Remember two years ago, really good team, great year, second round of the playoffs. They went, uh, they had a really solid year and we thought they'd be pretty decent last year still. And then everything went wrong. I mean, they got off to a bad start. COVID-19 struck the team and just completely derailed their year. I think their season was already over by that point with just how much they struggled. But that was the uh, uh, that was the uh, icing on the cake, if you will, uh, for Vancouver. And just a, a miserable season, a season to forget. Uh, and they're going to look to turn that around. The question is, Alex, with anybody that I've talked to about Vancouver, is this team more like the miserable disaster they were last year? Or are they more like the team that was very good two years ago and was into the second round of the playoffs? Which is it, you know, for this Vancouver Canucks team? I think they're going to be better. I like that they brought in Connor Garland. Look, that was one of Arizona's better players the last few years, Connor Garland. They bring him in from the Coyotes, along with Oliver ekman Larson. You Look, he's now in his 30s. I get it. A lot of wear and tear, but he's still a, a plus. De- uh, I think he can still be a plus defenseman. He had a tough year last year, really poor year by his standards, but maybe a change of scenery is what he wanted. He wanted out of there. Arizona wanted to move on as well. I think that's a good thing for Ekman Larson to maybe have a bounce back year this year. Uh, you know, they bring in uh, Jason Dickinson, uh, Luke Shen as well. Tucker Pullman, you know, on, as a depth defenseman, he can be good. Again, he was playing more minutes than he probably should have with Winnipeg. Uh, Quinn Hughes, uh, Tyler Myers, Ekman Larson, Pullman going to be your top uh, four defensemen here this year for the Canucks. Of course, the big thing for them is they got the Elias Pettersson contract done uh, in the offseason, which was big. So he's back uh, in the fold and he hopefully healthy for a full season as well because he had injuries last year. He'll center Brock Besser and JT Miller. That could be a very good. And look, JT Miller had a bad year too last year. Hopefully he can bounce back uh, as well. Uh, they like Niels Hoaglander and his his skill set, along with Bo Horvat. And then again, Connor Garland's going to play on that second line. You've got Dickinson, Tanner Pearson. And watch out for Vasily Podkolzin here for the Vancouver Canucks. One of the prospects in their chain that's likely going to make the team at 20 years old here, selected 10th overall a couple of years ago. Uh, look, played in the, a- the KHL with uh, SKA St. Pete's uh, over there. Uh, contributed pretty decently. Uh, I think he's going to be ready to give them a little punch offensively from the third line, which is going to be uh, a good thing uh, for uh, this Canucks team. And then the fourth line with Alex Chason, Dowling, and Bailey. Uh, and then in net, I don't know if I love the Halak uh, addition 
uh, Alex, because he didn't have a great year last year in Boston. Jimmy Murphy will be the first one to tell you. He did not like what he saw from Yaroslav Halak with the Bruins. Maybe he can bounce back, be better in a backup role for the Canucks this year. But I think Thatcher Demko, the more I watch Demko, the more I think, yeah, I can buy into him being a more than serviceable, potentially very good goaltender for this Vancouver team. I thought he played very well last year. It's kind of a breakout season uh, for Demko. His numbers overall were very good uh, last year. Uh, we'll see if he can uh, carry it over from last year. But a 2.85 goals against average, uh, 915 save percentage. Uh, in his starts, you know, 16, 8, and 1, pretty good. You know, they actually, most of the games they won Vancouver, he was in net. So if he's healthy and he plays like he did last year, I think that gives Vancouver a chance to have an improved season. Are they playoff team? I'm not saying that for sure, but are they improved from last year? I think so. And I think they're going to be closer to the team two years ago than the team that just had a just a year to forget uh, last year. So I do have a bet on a buy sign uh, on the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know if I'm ready to say playoff team yet, but I'm willing to say they'll be better and maybe be a bet on team in spots for sure. Alex, what do you think with the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, this is, this is definitely a bet on team in my opinion. I think we're going to see a lot of overs. Uh, especially, if, like you said, if we don't get the consistency right away from Demko and they have to rely on Yaroslav Vlach at 36 years old, could be a, a bit shaky. So the goaltending is questionable, uh, to say the least. But I love the offense here. And I think some of the blue liners can step it up. You know, now that Quinn Hughes has finally gotten paid, Ellis Pedersen's gotten paid, you know, maybe these guys can can get to that next level, that that elite level. Because uh, I think Pedersen can be an absolute superstar in this league. I've said that uh, you know, for a couple of years now. Uh, so he's going to have to really take that step forward. So I think Vancouver's going to be in a good spot. And you know, like I said, last year they had the COVID issues. They had to travel cross country being in that, that Canadian division. So things are going to be a little bit closer to home now. Like I said, they got a natural rival uh, in Seattle and, you know, stay along uh, the coast for the most part. So this is definitely going to be a more favorable schedule uh, for, for Vancouver, most certainly. So I think that's going to help with them as well. So definitely some bet on spots uh, throughout the season with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I think with the uh, teams in the west part of Canada, Calgary and Vancouver are in the same boat. Non-playoff teams last year. Who do you have more faith in going into this season? I have more faith in Vancouver right now just because Calgary, I've seen this core disappoint me too many times now to say, oh, I'm really going to bank on Goudreau and Monaghan playing up to their potential for consistently for a full year. I've, I've seen enough that I can't bank on that. So that's why I think Vancouver's got the more open door, if you will, uh, to move on through and be that improved team of those two teams out West that missed the playoffs. All right. Speaking of Western Canada, we're going to stay there and move to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, of course, they're kind of a team that's been the elite Toronto West uh, here in Canada, you know, trying to win that first round series with this core uh, that has been difficult for Edmonton, thoroughly disappointing Alex last year. Let's be honest. I mean, the way they lost to the jets, uh, in that series, terrible uh, ending to their year, disappointing ending. Can Dave Tippett's team win in the playoffs? Kind of like Toronto. They're going to be judged by playoff success uh, going into this year more than anything. Uh, when you look at this Oilers team, uh, you know, they're coming back with still Mike Smith uh, in net. That's the one thing that worries me still. I mean, he had a great year last year, but we're going to count on him once again. That's a question mark. Miko Koskinen once again backing him up as well. But when you look at this team on defense, Darnell Nurse, outstanding year. I have no doubt he can play well again. I think he's here to stay as a very good, bona fide, solid top four defenseman uh, in the NHL. And I'm not just saying that because he's from Hamilton. I'm saying that because he's a very good player. Uh, Tyson Berry, uh, much better than he was in Toronto. I think he fits this Edmonton team uh, better. Duncan Keith, Look, not Duncan Keith, of course, of the Cup era Blackhawks or winning those Cups. You'll never see that 
version of Duncan Keith again, but it'll give you a little leadership. It'll give you experience. It'll help the young guys out. Some of that stuff's invaluable for this young Oilers team. CC Russell, Bouchard, I don't mind the blue line. Yeah, it's you worry about what happens if they get some injuries back there, but we'll worry about that if it happens. Up front, that that the, the top line is going to be terrific. I mean, Zach Hyman, you, you just ask Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner how good Zach Hyman was to play with on a top line. Uh, that's what Connor McDavid's going to experience this year. Just that guy is relentless. He's a dog on a bone when it comes to pounding the puck, relentless forecheck, physical, uh, just finds ways to get find open space for his line mates. Zach and he can score too, Zach Hyman. And in fact, uh, he's looking to score the puck, score goals more and shoot the puck more this year. So uh, Zach Hyman was a great addition for the Oilers. Uh, he's going to fit in well with McDavid on that top line. It's going to be outstanding. Uh, and it looks like Dave Tippett's going to split up McDavid and Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl is going to center the second line uh, alongside uh, the Nuge, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Kaylor Yamamoto, it looks like. Although Yamamoto might start the year out. Warren Fogle, nice pickup from Carolina. I've always liked his game in a depth forward role. Uh, you know, Devin Shore, Derek Ryan, Colton Sevier, you know, in your fourth line. I, I like the forward group. The blue line's good enough. Can Mike Smith be as good as last year? And they'll be a very good team again. They'll be a, have a good regular season. But again, it's going to come down to playoff success, just like with the Leafs, the other Canadian team, the Canadian team in the East. Like I say, Edmonton's kind of Toronto West. They could have a great regular season. It's going to be all for naught with the fan base if they don't step up in the postseason and start winning some series. But no, I like the Edmonton team. I think, again, they're going to score goals. Uh, the blue line, the, Mike Smith's play is the biggest wild card here. If he's like last year, that was not an automatic under team la or over team last year, Edmonton. In fact, 30 unders, 24 overs last year, 30 and 24 to the under. I think that's going to move closer to 500, if not maybe a few more overs than unders. I I'd like to buy into Mike Smith being as good as he was last year, but after the year he had last year and now another year older, I think there's only one way to go for him, and that's down. So I think Edmonton's going to have to score more because I think they might give up more because I don't know if the goaltending is going to be as good for Mike Smith. Alex, what's your thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers? This is a team I had circled with for first period overs. I think this is going to they're going to be at the at the top of the heap as far as that goes. And full game overs could be a, a different story because uh, they're going to be lined awfully high. We're going to see a lot of six and a halfs. We might even see sevens. Uh, at some point, but I think they're going to give up goals early in games. Like I said, I don't trust that duo of Smith and Koskinen, like I said, getting a year older uh, and not necessarily sharper in Koskinen's case. Uh, like I said, the offense, yeah, if they can diversify the offense and, and try to get, you know, more than just, you know, uh, dry side on McDavid scoring at all times, that would be huge for them. But like I said, it always seems to kind of fall on, on those two guys' shoulders uh, at some point. There'll be some value betting on them during the regular season, but I just don't see them. Uh, finding a way to make it over that playoff hump, like I said, even adding a, a Duncan Keith, uh, he'll be a great, you know, he'll do more in the locker room than he will on the ice at this point in his career. But I just don't think it'll be enough. They'll get to the postseason and they'll probably fade out first or second round. All right, our final team for the uh, Pacific Division, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, of course, they have been uh, just uh, consistently, you know, at or near the top of the division, the Western Conference uh, overall the last few years. Can they maintain that stature? Uh, it's going to be the uh, big question here. When you look at the uh, Golden Knights, obviously they're very disappointed with uh, be, uh, being knocked out by uh, the Montreal uh, Canadiens, obviously, last year uh, in the playoffs. Uh, really, their big offseason, well, they lost Ryan Reeves too, but Ryan Reeves more of a you know grit, toughness, physicality kind of player, depth forward. The big uh, loss, of course, is Marc-Andre Fleury, which means 
in terms of goaltending for the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to see what Robin Leonard's all about. You know, he's been wanting to be a number one really since he's joined Vegas. And it's been always Peter DeBoer has had some level of, you know, favoritism, if you will, to Leonard. Well, now Peter DeBoer, you know, you know what they say, you sleep in the bed. Now you got to, you make the, you know, you got to lay in it. You know, you make the bed. Now you got to lay in it. You know, this is the guy, this has been your number one guy, uh, Robin Leonard. You clearly gave him more, I guess, of a benefit of the doubt throughout, you know, the last couple of years than Flurry. Uh, now's your chance. You know, now you're going to get him as a number one. Let's see how he does. What I like, though, is that if Leonard somehow doesn't play as well or struggles a bit, they went out and got a serviceable, reliable, solid backup coming off a great year in Laurent Brossois. So that's definitely what I like for Vegas. Laurent Brossois was more than good last year for the Jets when Hellebuck got a rest. So uh, I like that uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights, given uh, Leonard a solid backup in Brossois. Not much difference in the blue line at all. Alec Martinez, Alex Petrangelo, Braden McNabb, Shea Theodore, Nick Haig, Zach Whitecloud, pretty much the identical six defensemen they had last year. Up front, you know, not a big amount of change there either. When you're looking at it, Patcher, especially the top six, Max Pacioretty, uh, Chandler Stevenson, Mark Stone, Jonathan Marcheseau, William Carlson, Riley Smith. I mean, it's the usual cast of characters here in that top six forward group. They're doing a little bit of a buy low, take a flyer, no pun intended. It's uh, take a flyer figuratively and literally getting Nolan Patrick here, uh, this uh, Vegas Golden Knights team. Like, see, see how I did that? Literally and figuratively, the Vegas Golden Knights taking a flyer on Nolan Patrick, uh, thinking that, look, this is a guy that was a first-round pick. Nothing went right for him in Philadelphia. He didn't fit in well. Uh, the injuries were a constant problem. He kind of underachieved. Look, that was never a great offensive team. That was never a team with a, uh, a boatload of offensive upper echelon talent around him other than, say, Giroux, Voracek, a couple others maybe. Uh, so let's see if a change of scenery goes his way here. It's really, let's see what he can do now. Maybe, you know, a better uh, overall team surrounding him, uh, we're going to see maybe more from Nolan Patrick. So keep an eye on that early in the season. Let's see if he makes an impact. If he does, he may be someone you can look at for value spots in terms of their player props, uh, Nolan Patrick. They bring in, his, of course, uh, Evgeny uh, Dodonov as well. I think he's changed his pronunciation from what I've heard in the preseason. One of those guys that's changed his pronunciation, but I think it's Dodonov now uh, for uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, he's uh, been brought in as well uh, for this group. Uh, we'll see how he fits in. He didn't exactly light it. There's a disappointing year by his standards last year. Let's let's call it like we see it. Uh, he is a guy that his main operandi on modus operandi is offense. And for Ottawa last year, uh, that was just disappointing uh, to see the way he played. He failed to even get to 20 goals for the first time in four years. Uh, let's see if he can bounce back offensively. And he's going to need to, Alex. This team didn't get anything from their third and their fourth line offensively last year. Nothing. It's what killed them against Montreal. You know, Dano and all those Canadians def uh, defensemen, forwards, they made it their mantra. Shut down Marcia, so Smith, Carlson, uh, Pacioretty, Stone. They did that. There was nothing coming from the third and the fourth line for Vegas when those top two lines got shut down. They need Nolan Patrick. They're going to need Evgeny Dodonov here this year to produce offensively. They're going to need it. Uh, for this uh, hockey team this year uh, more than ever, you know, and the fourth line too. I mean, there's questions there. You've got the likes of, you're going to have Krebs and Keegan Colasar, William Carrier, Nick, uh, uh, Nick Waugh, Brett Howden. Are those guys going to be offensive difference makers in a depth forward role? I'm not sure. So 
I actually have concerns about the offense. We saw the offense decline last year for Vegas. I'm not sure it's going to be leaps and bounds better this year. The blue line's still solid. I think we can count on and trust Leonard. You know, he's been very good at times. He's had the odd bad game, but you also have Laurent Brossois to fall back on. I think there's an under team from a total standpoint this year. I think they'll play lower scoring hockey. Pete DeBoer wants it that way, believe it or not. You know, he's looking to slow it down. He's, I think this team is stronger and a little bit more sturdy with their blue line and with their goaltending necessarily than their forward group because we saw the goals per game for Vegas drop off last year a little bit. And I think we might see more of that this year as well. So Vegas, and you look, you're not going to get a bargain with Vegas. And to me, there's a few more question marks than normal with this group. So in spots at attractive prices to back the opponent, which you're probably going to see in a lot of Golden Knights games, take some shots against Vegas. I'll, I'll probably be looking to do that. And I might be looking at some unders this year because I think lower scoring hockey might just be the way it goes here for the Vegas Golden Knights this year. Uh, Alex, what's your thoughts here on Vegas? No, I agree. This is definitely going to be kind of like in the same uh, vein with Colorado, where they're going to, you know, win some, win a bunch of games. But there's going to be times and spots where we can fade them because they're going to be, you know, just high priced. Uh, and it, like I said, if, if Leonard does have some issues, they can bring in Brossois. But you know, is he going to be able to kind of capture that, you know, magic he's had the last year and a, and a half uh, playing in that backup role? We'll we'll, we'll see uh, when he does get a few starts how that goes but like you say yeah the the, the offensive firepower we saw from vegas in, in the first couple of years it has definitely changed and now like you said DeBoer, you know got the, his style of team uh and like he said so they're going to be more defensive minded uh it'll be interesting to see how they play against seattle and that, that opener because like i said these are two teams that kind of built in that same style may not be much scoring in uh in that particular contest but yeah there'll definitely be some spots i think to fade vegas more than back yeah, definitely. And uh, especially on the road. I thought Vegas on the road, very disappointing last year. I mean, they feasted as they normally do at T-Mobile Arena. Great home record. Uh, but again, on the road, uh, that that team just had some bad games on the road, bad losses, you know, just just total difference in their play, you know, at times away from uh, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. So they're going to have to iron that out. You know, you, you can't be the, the uh, you, you, you obviously, if you have a strong home ice, take advantage of it. But I think they want to improve that road up record a little bit as well this year. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, no question. Uh, Pacific Division futures in terms of um, uh, win totals, uh, make or miss the playoffs, win the division, anything like that. Uh, Alex, did you uh, bet anything with the Pacific just to recap? Just, uh, just the Calgary Flames under for the point totals. All right, just that Calgary under. For me, I like Grubauer to win the Vesna 12-1. to I mentioned that. Uh, I like that. In terms of win the division, I'll mention those now in the Pacific. I'm not laying minus 200. I don't think it is a for sure thing that the Vegas Golden Knights win the Pacific division. I'd be looking at Edmonton plus 310. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate that plus 310 with Edmonton. I'd go really down the board and maybe Vancouver 20 to 1. Take a shot. That might be something worth sprinkling just a couple of bucks on. Because remember, this is a team that was a playoff team two years ago. I think they're going to more resemble that team i'm buying into thatcher demko as a very reason a solid uh, number one goalie for this team so uh not a whole division in terms of things i love in the division futures market or make them miss the playoffs but uh definitely uh i think 20 to 1 there vancouver to win the division worth a small flyer i certainly wouldn't be looking to lay minus 200 uh with the vegas golden knights uh to win the division uh, as far as cup futures uh western conference futures uh, i'll mention a couple right here Winnipeg, not only to win the Central, but West and Cup. 
Chicago, not only to win the Central, but Weston Cup. I agree with Alex there on that one. Uh, and as far as the Pacific goes, I've got Edmonton not to win the division, but I do have Edmonton win the West and the Cup because, you know, if not now, when, you know, the, the, there was a bitter, bitter, bitter ending against Winnipeg. I think Zach Hyman's going to be a huge impact for them uh, definitely this year. So I don't mind looking at Edmonton to win the West and the Cup. Uh, but again, not not as strong on the overall Cup futures on the Western Conference side uh, compared to the uh, Eastern Conference side. Before we wrap it up, Jimmy Murphy couldn't join us today, uh, but he did want me uh, to mention what he likes this year. I'll let the list what he's on right now in terms of Western Conference teams. He likes the Minnesota Wild. I don't know if he's doing that because he just likes Terry Edelman so much, uh, but uh, Jimmy Murphy likes the Minnesota Wild to win the Central division with the Chicago Blackhawks being his sleeper uh, choice, a, a dark horse to win the central. He also likes the Winnipeg Jets maybe as a dark horse in the central division as well. He likes the Colorado Avalanche to win the Western Conference. In fact, he says in the message to me, not just liking it, loving uh, the Colorado Avalanche here uh, to win the Western Conference. And that is currently plus 190. They are currently the odds on favorite uh, to win the West, but uh, that is what uh, Jimmy's liking. And in the Pacific Division, he is on Edmonton, plus 310 uh, to win the uh, Pacific Division uh, this year. And just like Alex and I, he also thinks Vancouver uh, will be an improved team and a potential dark horse uh, in the Pacific uh, Division. So there you go, guys. That is your NHL season betting preview shows. We did the East yesterday, the Western Conference today. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, by the way, shout out to everybody in our chat. Nate Dog 420 Cheshire Cat. Let's go wild picks. Uh, we appreciate it from everybody. Uh, Nate Dog 420, uh, Brian Watson. Uh, of course, we've had some new birdie. Thank you for the kind words, giving us kind words about the show. Ron Crawford, a couple people that just Canadian capper 72 people that just hopped in the chat after I uh, mentioned uh, everybody earlier. We appreciate that. Uh, no question. And uh, supporting the uh, show uh, and joining us uh, right here uh, on the uh, Ice Guys uh, Eastern or sorry, Western Conference betting preview show. And of course, remember, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, support DraftKings because they support the Hockey Podcast Network and they support this show. So make sure you take advantage of DraftKings. Uh, again, now's the time. NHL season begins next week. Uh, download the DraftKings app, bet boost, deposit bonuses, weekly specials, weekly incentives. They've got the uh, dollar bet promotion going on right now that I mentioned on yesterday's show uh, for the start of the NHL season. So take advantage of that. So use the DraftKings Sportsbook app, download it, sign up for an account, and use the promo code THPN. All right, that will wrap up this uh, Western Conference betting preview show. We will be back with you and on Tuesday, October 12th. It's the opening day of the NHL season. We'll be starting the seven days a week format of the Ice Guys Tuesday. The show will be 2 p.m. Eastern, Monday to Friday, noon Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, same times as it was last year. And we will start our seven days a week sojourn, breaking down every single NHL game, regular season and playoffs from a betting perspective all season long right here on the Ice Guys. So thank you very much for joining us, everybody. For Alex B. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great weekend, and we will see and talk to you again Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.